assurance and how to know you're going to heaven. And we it was really on the topic of justification. And uh, those CDs, I, I believe there's some out there on the kiosk if you want to get a CD of last week's uh, message. And I said that today I would be uh, speaking to you and teaching on sanctification. And I want to take as my text Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. If uh, you have read any of the commentaries on the book of Romans, uh, you probably know that the first two or three chapters Paul takes to show how we need the gospel. Uh, Romans uh, chapter 1, the Gentiles need the gospel. Romans chapter 2, the Jews need the gospel. And in chapter 3, he summarizes by saying, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all need the gospel. And then in chapter 4, he lays out what the gospel is. That is, it is justification by faith, not works. And again, that, that CD is out there if you want to pick one of those up or you can listen to it online. Uh, and then in chapter 5, he starts pointing out the results of it. But let me read in Romans chapter 5, and verse 9. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Verse 10. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life, that is, his resurrection life. In other words, if his death brought us to God and we are uh, now reconciled to God, then how much more will his life do for us, that is, his resurrection life? If the death saved us, what does his life do? It changes us. It transforms us. And then he, he goes in verse 12 to talking about an analogy with Adam. He says, just as sin came into the world through one man, that is Adam, and death through sin, so death spread to all because of because all sin, that is death and sin and death spread to every man beginning with Adam. In the same way, he's going to say, in, in the same way that now life and sanctification spreads to the new creation through Jesus Christ. Verse 15, but the free gift is not like the trespass, for if many died, verse 15, through one man's trespass, how much more the grace of God and the free gift of grace abounds to many. It abounds. How much more than the effect of Adam is the effect of the risen Christ. So he's been talking here in Romans chapter 5 about the effects of justification. You have peace in verse 1. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God. You have access in verse 2. We have access to God. 
Through him we have obtained access by faith. You have endurance in verse 3. He says, not only that, but we rejoice in sufferings, knowing that it produces endurance. And then you have assurance, starting in verse 9 and 10. And you have transformation of the inner life and uses the picture of Adam and the effect of Adam to show us what he means by it. That Adam had such a powerful impact that everyone's life is changed forever. So much more, how much more, he says, is Christ and grace. And I'm going to also read here 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to start charging you money for each trip up up here. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and look at verse 45. Thus it is written, the first man Adam became a living being or a living soul. The last Adam, Christ, became a life-giving spirit. Adam was alive, but Jesus is a life-giver. That's 1 Corinthians 15, 46. Then he says, 1 Corinthians 15, 47, the first man was from the earth, a man of dust, made of dust. The second is from heaven. Verse 48 As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, so we will bear the image of the man of heaven. Now that is sanctification right there. We have a second Adam. And when you receive the Lord Jesus Christ and are justified, then there is an impact on your inner man. You bear the image of this life-giving man, the second Adam, Jesus Christ. And if you think that first man, Adam, was powerful and brought sin and death to everybody, and he did, much more is the power of the second Adam who will bring grace and life and change into your heart and into your life. In the Old Testament, the high priest could be defiled by death and sin. In Leviticus 21.8, the high priest of the Old Testament, it says you are to sanctify him For I who sanctify you am holy. And he, that is the high priest, Leviticus 21, 11, he is not to go into any dead body or make himself unclean even for father and mother. That is, the high priest was not to go into anyone's funeral. He couldn't perform funerals. Uh, Even if his own father and mother died, it says he is not to go... uh, 
in Leviticus 21.12, he shall not go out of the sanctuary lest he profane the sanctuary of his God. Maybe he went in there and he forgot his incense. Well, he's going to, somebody else will have to go get it because he can't leave the sanctuary because on the way out he might get defiled. So the high priest was capable of being made impure by his environment or by other people. And the, the, the ones you were to avoid was first of all, of course, the dead. You couldn't touch the dead. Then there were the lepers. Couldn't touch the lepers. Numbers 14 says lepers have to be put outside the camp. They're, they'll bring contagion and defilement to the, the whole camp. And they were to wear this little cover on them that said, and to keep them from breathing on anybody if they happened to come by. And the leper was to cry, unclean, unclean, so nobody would come around them. And then the woman with an issue of blood. If a woman had a flow of blood... Uh, she was unclean and you were not to touch her. Listen to Leviticus 15.25. If a woman has a discharge of blood, she shall be unclean. Every bed on which she lies, every chair on which she sits shall be unclean. Whoever touches the things she touches must bathe himself in water and change his clothes and be considered unclean or defiled until the evening. So in the Old Covenant, defilement was greater and more powerful than purity. And death was stronger than life. And sin and its effects were greater than holiness and its effects. And so you had to stay separate. The high priest had to stay separate. The people of Israel had to stay separate from the pagan world. Everybody had to step back because the power of defilement and uncleanness was greater than holiness and purity. And then Jesus came. <laughs> <laughs> Now we're getting sound effects. Thunder and lightning. And then Jesus came. Okay. <laughs> and when Jesus came, ah, do you, do you want to turn this off now, Kevin? Do you want to make a, another trip or... All right. It's all good now. Now, when Jesus came, the, there was a change. He's a new Adam. He's a life-giving spirit and greater than the old Adam and the old creation. He brings a new covenant. And in his wake... Life flows out, and it's not just human life. It is a divine life that is greater than human death. And his purity is greater than our impurity.
So, Mark 8, 41, he, he, he goes to a funeral and he touches a dead girl and raises her from the dead. Her death does not defile him, but his life swallows up her death. Amen. In Matthew 8, 3, a leper comes to him, doesn't touch him, but he says, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus reaches out and touches the leper. That is astonishing. He touched him and said, I will be clean. And so the cleanness of the high priest Jesus flows into the uncleanness of the defiled leper. And he's clean. He goes, he's touched just the hem of his garment in Luke 8, 46. A woman comes in contact with the fringe of his garment. And he stops and he says, who touched me? And they say, well, it could have been anybody. He said, I felt power or virtue go out of me. See, it's moving out of him. He's a life-giving spirit. Her defilement and disease is swallowed up by his power and life and health and holiness. That's the new covenant. That's the new high priest. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't defile him. He sanctifies me. And that's wonderful. You know what that means? That means when you had your biggest failure during the week, you can still come and worship Him on Sunday morning because He's bigger, His grace is greater than your sin. It abounds. You won't defile Jesus and you won't diminish His holiness, but rather His holiness will increase and His grace will be greater than your sin. It means if you have sinned and you feel unworthy and you feel berated by the, the devil and, 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 but you really want to read the Bible you, you would like to pray because you need to pray but you can't pray because you've sinned listen, that's like a, a man who's sick saying I can't go to the doctor because I'm sick no, that's when you should go to the doctor amen When you feel sinful, go to the doctor, the the Lord Jesus Christ, who is infinite holiness. You will not hurt Him. He will help you and bless you. That's sanctification in the New Covenant and in the New Testament. So here in Romans chapter 5 is where Paul brings all this together. And he says in verse 12, as as sin came into the world through one man, or as or like sin, so Christ brought life and holiness into the world through his obedience. So in that sense, we see what he means in verse 10 when he says, we who are reconciled shall now be saved or sanctified by his life. That is his resurrection life. It will overwhelm our sinfulness. Uh, it just as in verse uh, thirteen, it says, "Sin was in the world before the law was given, 
But sin is not counted if there's no law. Yet death reigned from Adam. What he's pointing out here is that, look, the law of Moses defined sin. And it brought sin out. If if you don't have a law, you don't have a crime. You don't have a sin. And yet Paul says, but death didn't wait for the law of Moses. Death reigned from Adam. Now, what is his point here? He's, He's pointing out that something happened with Adam that brought sin and its consequence, death, to bear heavily upon all men. He's saying, look, the law is fine, except that we were sinning and dying before the law ever got here, before Moses ever got here. And he he posits it, he explains it by saying it came from Adam's disobedience. Because do you remember, when Adam sinned, God said in Genesis 3.17, Cursed is the ground, or dust, of the earth because of you, Adam. Cursed is the ground. Well, the, uh, our bodies and brains are made from the constituent elements of the, of the dust of the earth. To dust you came and to dust you'll return. The buildings, the cars, everything is made from material taken from the ground. Therefore, everything, he says, cursed is the ground because of you. So, What Adam passed on genetically is that curse that is working its way out into humanity and the material world. So everything goes downhill. We don't evolve. That's ridiculous. We devolve. Are y'all prettier today than you were 25 years ago? (laughs) let me ask you this is your car better running today than it was 20 years ago how about your house are you going to go home today and suddenly your roof just looks new like it did 20 years ago no there is a deconstruction there is a degradation built in cursed is the dust Everything goes downhill. And whether we like to accept it or not, even our bodies do. Um, I'll leave that alone. I I don't want to press that issue very much. Uh, I'd be on the losing end of that stick. So there is a natural inclination to sin and there is a natural inevitability about death no matter our decisions. I just read this week of a young man, 20 years old, healthy, tan football player named Harry Yearl. He worked with the children in Africa, uh, helping them fight malaria. Uh, Malaria in in Africa kills over 600,000 children per year. So he went over there and stayed four months to fight malaria. He had with him some anti-malaria pills, but he gave them away because he said, I won't get malaria. But he did. 
and five months later, he was dead. No matter your health, no matter your your vision, no matter your inspiration, and, and no matter your resolve, sin and death come in. So I want us to look real quick, and, and how does God sanctify us through the second Adam? It's such a contrast to the first one. But Paul uses the first one to show us some things about the second one. First, we would say that as sin and death is certain, so when you receive Christ, transformation is certain. See, again, now that we have been reconciled, we will be saved, changed by His resurrection life. It is certain. Is sin and death... Some, some people interpret this and say, well, Paul is saying that now grace is available. That, that change is available. Let me ask you, is death available? Is sin and death? Oh, that's something I can participate in. Uh, I, I've probably got three funerals in ten days. Here, here's one of the things about funerals. We're all going to have one. Uh, it's not like death is available, like we can, like a, we can participate in it, that it's voluntary. No, death is not simply available. It is inevitable. And this is what Paul is saying. When you receive Christ, do you think that, that transformation is, is kind of out there? If you want to participate in it, you can. If you don't, you don't understand grace. The mighty masculinity and grip of the grace of the risen Christ in your life when you become a Christian. It overwhelms you. You say, well, I've never felt that, and I've been a Christian 20 years. I ain't changed a bit. Well, maybe you need to examine yourself, whether you really met Christ. He will not leave you alone. Romans 8, 28 says, All things work together for good to those who love God. What is the good it works? That we might be transformed into His image. So there is a, an inevitable change within us that inevitably comes... For every person who's been justified, they will be sanctified. They're in the process of sanctification. Here's a second thing. It's not only certain, but just as in Adam, it is gradual. Adam's effect on us is gradual. So Christ's sanctifying influence, justification, see, is perfect and permanent. Sanctification, or the inner change is gradual and progressive. So that's why we get discouraged a lot of times because it seems like it takes so long. But it does happen. Justification does not grow and it does not diminish. Sanctification may do both. We may grow in holiness and then we may back up in holiness. It may breathe as we as we live the Christian life and walk the Christian journey. Our justification is our perfect status before God and never changes. But our 
relationship to Christ can ebb and flow. But as Paul put it in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, he says, May the God of peace sanctify you entirely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. What is it? May the God of peace sanctify you entirely. He will surely do it. He will sanctify you. If we have been justified, we will be changed. That's like a sign we need to put on the, on the infant nursery. You come in here, you will be changed. <laughs> I had a, a pastor friend in Texas, and uh, he talk, talk, talked about his children when it was time to go to bed, brush your teeth, got to get up for school, and they'd always fuss and complain. So he'd tell them again, it's time to go. you got to brush your teeth and get in the bed. And finally, he would just say, okay, listen, you got to go to bed. Now, you can go easy or you can go hard, but you got to go. <laughs> and that's the power of Christ. Your sin is not greater than his power. The second Adam is not less than the first Adam. The second Adam is greater. As you have borne the image of the earthly, so you will bear the image of the heavenly. Until the fullness of it actually doesn't take place until the resurrection. I don't think I put this on the screen, but I'm going to read this. This is Philippians 3.20. Listen to this. Our citizenship is in heaven, and from heaven we wait a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power through which He can subject all things to Himself. He has the power to subject all things to Himself. And by that power, authority over everything, he will ultimately gradually change you into his likeness. And the final act is his victory over death when he changes even your body, which is, has been like Adam, like the first Adam. But in the final act, he will raise your body up and make your body like his glorious body. Philippians 3 and verse 21. He will transform our body to be like his glorious body. That's the ultimate climactic act of his sanctifying power in you is your resurrection body. And I mean, that'll be wonderful because I don't think that the risen Christ is going to ask permission to do that because you're in the grave. And so he's going to raise you up powerfully. And just like his glorious body, could he eat? Yeah, he ate fish. He called his disciples in. They ate. Uh, could he, uh, was he recognizable? Yeah, they, they knew Jesus unless he chose for them not to. But he wasn't, he wasn't confined to material. He could walk through a door, for example. Your body will be like his glorious body. 
And there will be a new heavens and a new earth and your body will be able to interact with this new earth on, in which God will make in the end time. So it will be wonderful. And you'll be able to do everything that you can do now with your body, but the limitations keep you from doing part of it. But uh, that is the ultimate in sanctification. Then uh, a third thing is, like Adam, uh, go back to my three points, like Adam's sin, his effect on us spreads to all who are connected to him. In the same way, Christ and his effect and his image and his holiness overcomes our lack of holiness and ultimately spreads to those around us. I was reading Philippians some time ago, and it was interesting to me to look at, just in the book of Philippians, how Paul had desires that came from Christ himself. For example... He said, I yearn for you, Philippians 1.8, with the affection of Jesus Christ. See, Paul loved the Philippians, not with a physical human love, but with the love that Jesus in him had for them. And he was in Paul and loved them through Paul. Which, by the way, uh, you can, that means you can love whoever Jesus loves. Because He is in you by His Holy Spirit and He loves them and He can love them through you. So husbands and wives, let me tell you something. If you don't love your husband today, and it's possible, and you don't love your wife today, you can love them with the love of Jesus Christ in you to them. So he says, I yearn for you with the affection that Jesus has for you. Maybe you don't have any affection for him, but Jesus does. And he's in you. And his spirit mingles with your spirit and is infused into your emotions. And so you love them also with his love. Paul says, I, I have that affection for you. Or he says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Christ strengthens. The, word, the Greek word is energizes me. So you can have that divine supernatural energy that just keeps on going. And that comes from Christ. His love in you by the Spirit. His energy in you by the Spirit. His world view in you by the Spirit. That comes from Christ in you. And that's... It's gradual, it, but it also permeates. It permeates all those in whom He dwells by the Spirit. Someone wrote, "'Twas not the truth that seemed to you so clear and to me so dim, but when you came, you brought a sense of Him." And from your eyes he beckoned me, and from your heart his love was shed. I lost sight of you and saw the Christ instead. Have you ever met somebody like that, that, you know, there's like 
I see Jesus in them. I lost sight of you and saw the Christ instead. This is what Paul is talking about. For my weakness, I get his strength. For my sinfulness, I get his holiness. For my ignorance, I get his wisdom. For my anger, I get his forgiveness. For my sickness, I get his health. For my death, I get his life. That's inside. It's not justification. Justification is perfect. Sanctification progresses, sometimes regresses, but grows until that day when he raises us from the dead and our body pulsates with his life in such a way that it is like his own glorious body. To be a Christian, to become a Christian, is the most glorious, wondrous, unexplainable event that could ever happen in a person's life. Hallelujah, hallelujah. That God has given us such a wonderful gospel and such a wonderful experience as new birth through the Lord Jesus Christ. That is sanctification by a new Adam getting us ready for a whole new creation. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you have promised great things. And we do not doubt but that you will deliver on every promise you've given. May you be glorified and praised for all that you do in us because of the risen Christ who by His Spirit lives in us. And it's in His name we pray. Amen.